I was like, boundaries are things you put down when somebody has crossed you. But I'm learning later on in life, I'm learning that boundaries are not that. They're not meant for you to just put them down when bad things happen. They're actually a definition of who you are. So they might be to keep things out, but they're more so to keep things in. And that's a, a better way to place boundaries because it's not about saying no to somebody else, setting limits on what other people can do. It's about saying yes to yourself and what feels good to you. Welcome to the Billboard Podcast, a safe space where personal growth meets self-love and spirituality. In here, we hold conscious and sometimes controversial conversations between open-minded souls as we believe in the power of sharing wisdom while remaining a curious student of life. I'm your host, Antoine Billboard, conscious content creator, spiritual influencer, and trauma-informed breathwork facilitator. In these episodes, I will open up about my own healing journey and how we can all contribute to the creation of a better world by raising human consciousness. Let's awaken the matrix within the matrix. Coach Lee Hopkins, everybody. Thank you so much, Lee, for accepting my invitation. Welcome to the Billboard Podcast. It's an honor. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for inviting me. No, absolutely. It's a pleasure. I'd like to start this conversation with allowing yourself to introduce yourself. And uh, you can take us down memory lane and sort of uh, take us through your journey. Let us know about your upbringing, what you went through, and what brought you to this um, pursuit of yourself. Yes. All right. Yes, so then I'd love to tell you my life story. <laughs> well, um, I was born in a small town in Ohio, so I grew up in Ohio in the States, and uh, I just felt like I was disconnected from everyone there. I didn't feel like I could be myself. I didn't feel like I really knew how to be myself, honestly. Um, so I've always heard, though, that you have to find your tribe. And so I just figured, you know, the people in my little hometown wasn't it. So I left, I had an opportunity to go to college and I left and I had an opportunity to meet new people from different states, from different places all over the world, really, international students. And I still felt really disconnected and lonely from these people. And I'm like, oh, wow, this isn't my tribe either. What do I do? And so from time to time, I moved to looking for my tribe. I moved from group to group, place to place. And so I ended up leaving Ohio, deciding that Ohio is all messed up and I need to go find my tribe in another state. So I left for California. And at this time, I was dating a, a woman. So I can pause right here and say that I'm a trans man. And it's important to know that I was dating a woman in Ohio. And I felt like I couldn't really share that with other people. I feel like I couldn't be open and out with that. So I moved to California in hopes that I could find my tribe and be more accepted and connect with more people, reinvent myself. And I did that. And I did that too. I did that too. I, I was able to meet new people. I was getting um, lots of new energy and I, I went to karaoke and I learned more about myself. So I started doing karaoke, really started to enjoy karaoke and meeting new people, made friends on the scene. People would like give me high fives and they would mm. fill my drink orders and things like that. I was like, oh, finally accepted. I'm being celebrated. Yes. Yeah, I'm being celebrated. But I felt so lonely inside. I felt so lonely inside. I felt like there was something else that I couldn't share with them that I really wanted to. I felt lonely in my relationships. And so, oh, I thought I had to be my authentic self. 
that's what it is. I need to be my authentic self. And what I'm hiding from them is the fact that I'm going to be a trans. I'm trans. I'm hiding that. I did give them an opportunity. I didn't share that with them. I didn't do anything. I just left. I had an opportunity to, again, move from California to Chicago, where I am now. And that's where I made a, my transition. So I thought, well, I can't be my authentic self there. I could be my authentic self here in Chicago. I did that. I met the right people who helped me get the transition, uh, helped me get the information, helped me, supported me through the whole process. The queer community here was wonderful, but I still felt, I still felt alone, so alone, so disconnected. And I'm just like confused because I was thinking that here I am not being my authentic self back. That's why I couldn't make friends. And now I step into my authentic self, which is trans man, and I'm not connected. I'm disconnected. I'm, I'm feeling like lonely. I, I want to hide who I am. And it's just, it feels terribly mm-hmm. awful. And so I ended up um, going to counseling, to therapy, to learn more about myself. Because I obviously, I, I didn't have the answer. And so I had someone who did, and they helped me see more about myself. What were you going to say? I was just going to ask for the listeners, is there a process? Because I know when we're in the process of transitioning here in Quebec, that's the that's that's how it works for here, at least some of my some of my audience is local. So I just want to clarify the process around transitioning. Did you have to go to therapy before? Oh, yeah, I did have to go to right. therapy before right, right, right. that. And I've been to therapy in many other places. I've been to therapy in Ohio and also in California for loneliness and feeling disconnected. So when I came to Chicago, I figured, well, I tried the things that I thought I learned in therapy in Ohio, and I thought I learned in therapy in California, but obviously those things didn't work. But there was still something yes. missing. Right, right. Yeah. And therapy is a lifelong process. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I don't personally think I'm ever going to stop Absolutely. going to therapy. It's, so It's a self-discovery process and you just keep on, on and on. But just to clarify, um, I did go to therapy, but just briefly for the transition, therapy wasn't based around the fact that I was looking to get uh, recognized by the state that I'm medically sound or or psychologically sound to have my transition. Right. That was already done. Yeah, that was already done. Mm -hmm. That was already done. So after that, after I made the transition, I wasn't seeing another therapist completely different. Didn't, they didn't know I transitioned until I told them. So it was like, I talked to you about the, the, the loneliness I was feeling and discovering what was going on with that. And it had nothing to do with me being trans. It had everything to do with me not knowing who I was. And so discovering that about myself, discovering the fact that I didn't know who I was was just part of it. It's just mm. part of it. And so discovering that though really helped me feel more connected with other people. And so that's why I become a coach. It's because I want to help people feel that same passion for themselves like understand that there's so much out there to know about yourself Mm -hmm. and that's the journey that's how you connect with people being authentic is how you connect with people amen Mm -hmm. there is so much in what you just said that i could expand on um and i feel like there are so many people who have this calling of becoming a coach and taking people through the path of returning to self, being authentic, defining Mm -hmm. what it is to be authentic when we live in a day and age where it's not thought at all, not in families, not in school. And Mm -hmm. 
myself included, I feel so many people are on this quest of self-discovery. And at first we start with the external. You change your environment, you change yeah. friends, you change cities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like the problem, the problem must be out there. So let mm -hmm. me fix it. Let me find what's wrong out there. But then like I did the same, I moved out to a big city, I made new friends, I, you know, I started drinking, partying and like whatever external stimulation mm -hmm. could take me away from my own sorrow, distracting my, uh, from my pain. But then once you start like trying all of the options, moving, drinking, numbing, distracting, and that thing, changing your whole mm -hmm. identity, changing your physical appearance, and that thing, it still remains not mm -hmm. fixed. You still feel unworthy. You still feel the same when interacting yeah. with other people. You have to come to the conclusion, and that's what I did too, like the problem or maybe the solution is inside of me. It's a relationship with myself that seeks and demands to be fostered and nurtured and nourished. Because how can you fully introduce yourself to other people authentically if you don't even know who that person is? Exactly, exactly. And that's so on point, you know, it, it's after a while, it's your own experiences that's trying these things over and over and over again, that you start realizing, like you said, you you're familiar with my story because I think we all had something similar happening. We're like, it's somebody else. It's something else. It's not internal. And once we discover that it is internal, then we're like, well, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Now what do we do? And that's where coaching comes in, in handy. Thank, yes, I was just going to say, and sometimes we also might think it's internal. Like, oh, what's wrong, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me if they don't like me there i must be broken i must be unworthy so it's it's kind of no matter if the problem's outside or inside there's not really a problem it's just a layer that that needs to be removed and the solution is inside which coaches help yeah i think um like one to to your point to your point is that like the solution is the problem <laughs> which is so weird to say but the the mm -hmm. problem is like there really isn't one there really isn't one it, it's just um if i could say that self-acceptance is the solution it's like it's everything is just with inside and so what what happened for me was that i believed that i was doing things that after I discovered that, okay, it's external, right? I'm thinking external, external, uh, everybody mm -hmm. else is the problem. Then I realized that, oh, I feel like I'm the problem, but I'm also the solution because I needed somebody to tell me though, the things that I was doing right. Because all I could see were things that I was doing to repel people. But there are plenty of things because we're so conditioned Absolutely. to see those problems and we hear our parents voice in our mind and sometimes you're like who's that voice i why why do i speak to myself so rudely and abruptly when i should be cheering myself on and right. loving myself and you know praising myself for my right. wins it's and all, successes it's all coming from inside it's like there's a, there's a thing going on inside and, and it was like I need somebody to really help me see that because I thought that even though I was doing, I mean, I was doing, uh, I was making the impacts in the world that I wanted to do. And I, I just didn't realize that I didn't take credit for it myself. And so that was one of the things I picked up from my own uh, coaching or my own therapy was that you have impacts on the world. That, and if you impact it the way you desire, 
and it builds your self-esteem. And you stop telling yourself things like, I can't do this or I can't do that. But even the smallest things, if you acknowledge that you did that and it's the way you wanted it to, hooray. The, the language changes from, oh, that wasn't so significant. No, 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 this is amazing. Celebrate that, celebrate that. So that's the, help you, help you get out there. And what that does <laughs> yeah. clients is to help them see that they can do and try other things, which gives them some confidence to go try new things, which then gives him the self-discovery. This allows them to feel that they can discover new things. They have permission, they give themselves permission to try this new thing and to like it or dislike it. They give themselves to try new things and discover more about themselves. Yeah. And you can be like, you know what? I tried something new and I didn't like it. Let me try something mm -hmm. else. Or you might try it and you're like, you know what? It wasn't as bad as I expected. I actually liked what I like this new activity or this new way of perceiving things or seeing the world, you know, and we exactly we all get to start as a beginner at something. We, mm -hmm. we always expect to be good uh, from the get go. And that's where maybe some perfectionism or procrastination can stem from. However, it's by experiencing that we learn and by trying new things, you get with practice, you get competent and with competence, then you gain confidence because mm -hmm. you're like, I can do this. Now I'm confident. Yes. Yeah. As, yeah. And then with that, I like to say that that helps you build your friendships and connections because it creates boundaries for you. And I think that boundaries are confusing and they get a bad rap because I know that when I was setting boundaries, I really had no idea what they were. I really didn't know what boundaries were. And when I moved through my 30s, my 20s and 30s, I was like, boundaries are things you put down when somebody has crossed you. But I'm learning later on in life, I'm learning that boundaries are not that. They're not meant for you to just put them down when bad things happen. They're actually a definition of who you are. So they might be to keep things out, but they're more so to keep things in. And that's the, a better way to place boundaries because it's not about saying no to somebody else, setting limits on what other people can do. It's about saying yes to yourself and what feels good to you. And you don't get to know what things are good to you, what feel good to you, unless you go out there and you experience them. And you don't get to have great relationships with people if you cannot tell people what it is that makes you feel joy what makes you feel sorrow, what makes you feel anger, so that they can act appropriately. We have so many people coming, I know for me, in my, in my 20s and 30s, there's some people just crossing right over my boundaries, and I'm over here, rah, 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 I'm so frustrated and angry with them, but I never communicate that with them until I want to kick them out of my life. It's it until I want to kick them out of my life. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sick of you, rah, and then just, get rid of the whole thing, but that's yeah. not the way boundaries work. Boundaries are things that define who you are. Now, I wouldn't say something that is a mm -hmm. boundary because it could be upsetting to someone. Somebody could bump into it and have all kinds of experiences or had experiences with it and they're just like frightened by it. I'll say that I'm a trans man. That's a boundary. That's a definition of who I am. And I want to reframe boundaries also and say that boundaries are so like, they are an expectation of how you will feel and act in a certain situation. So me being a, 
a trans person may right. bring up all kinds of issues or, or thoughts for other people. But I know how I'm going to be in the situation. It's like joining this authenticity of knowing yourself because if you know yourself you know how you want to be treated you know how you mm -hmm. like to be treated you know how you deserve to be treated so you will reinforce that politely respectfully yeah and not and, just for other people though so to your point not just for other people but for yourself right absolutely absolutely because to that well i'd like to to keep talking about that because i like the like I'm a trans man is a boundary because mm -hmm. I'd like you to explain kind of what you're expecting out of you setting that boundary. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I tell you a story about how when I, I came to Chicago and um, this was a couple of years after my transition, I was still feeling lonely. I was in therapy and I was looking to make connections with people and, you know, discovering that my mindset is part of it and, you know, knowing what I want is part of it. So I decided I would go to a comedy club. I really enjoyed comedy. It's a lot of fun. I, I went with the mindset, I'm going to meet a new person and we're going to talk and I'm going to make a new friend. I'm going to do that. And so I went, I met a new person, super cool. We were chatting it up and they mentioned to me that they have never seen a trans person before. They don't understand the process. They have no idea why anybody would trans, why anybody would do this transition. And I thought, my guy, I've got you. We are going to be best friends because I'm going to be my authentic self. I'm going to open up to you. And you are going to have this gap filled about what trans people are like. So I make the statement, I am a trans man. Dude, he freaks out. His face drops. He's silent and he just leaves. Gone. Gone. Ran into a boundary that was just super thick. Like he had just bam right into it. I didn't even know that was going to happen. Of course, I was really devastated by that whole thing. But it is revealing, I guess there were some expectations that he may have of who I am or some feelings that he has inside that really pushed him away. Pushed him away. I want to touch on the point that, yes, you felt hurt by it. Which reason? because it's a direct rejection in real time mm -hmm. from you know expressing who you are to a stranger however the universe does things in the right way like i think this person maybe probably would not have been a good friend for you absolutely so you know i'm so glad you were gonna say that <laughs> yeah yeah he has his own boundaries he has his own yes. boundaries he clearly communicated those to me that's like the other part of the story. He clearly communicated this to me by saying, I don't understand the process. And if I was reading the room, we're here for a drink. We're having a light conversation. I'm not here to shake up his political views in his entire life. It's, <laughs> I'm not here for that. If I were paying attention, like now, nowadays, if I hear stuff like that, I'm like, all right, I do not need to reveal anything like that to him. There's a, there's something there that I do not need to to mess with. It's not important to me. I can reveal other things about me that are important to me and maybe slowly reveal something like that. But at the end of the day, as you, to your point, is that that's a lot of energy. It's a lot of time. And who knows? He may never want it to be connected with a trans person. I don't right. want to go around chasing them, telling them that, hey, although we had a great conversation, I really want to be friends with you. And here's all the reasons why I'm a great person and trans people are great and you should be my friend. Mm -hmm. No. He doesn't want that and I don't want that. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. I don't we don't I don't have time to advocate 
to people as to why I'm a good friend. Like if it right. doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And just mm -hmm. like when we're getting into a serious relationship, it's important to have those clarity point at the beginning of like, what are you expecting in the long term? Um, mm -hmm. especially as we grow older, maybe we want to settle with someone, maybe we want to curate our circle and, you know, handpick our relationships and friendships. So mm -hmm. let me be clear about who I am so that you can appreciate it and reflect it back to me and that I can appreciate yeah. you for the rest of years that I have to live. Like I want to be surrounded with people that uplift me, that inspire me, that see me for who I am because I can yes. and I want to be myself with them. <laughs> snap for that, snap for that. Yes, yes, yes. Because that's exactly what we're looking for. All of us were looking for that thing. And it's really, it's really hellish to have to be around people who don't celebrate you in that way. It's really hellish not to be connected and not be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. I feel like if we're talking about a pandemic, there's that, I think, well, fear for ones, but also disconnection from self. Yeah, I know a lot of people, like what I found interesting about the pandemic is that a lot of people were looking for like reaching out to me. Like some people were reaching out to me that I haven't heard from and I reached out to people I haven't heard from and I thought, well, well we're all lonely and bored. Let's, let's make a connection. But we still didn't really like each other. <laughs> I mean, we still didn't connect on that kind of level. So we had to... Yeah. to spend more time with ourselves to, to really get closer to what we're looking for. And that included oh, you know, doing hobbies and, and playing games and, and all kinds of things like that, finding new things to do, finding yourself and just trying those things. And I would argue that boundaries are something that we have to think about existing everywhere at all times, because they're more of a definition of who you are. And I say their definition of who you are because you're, I think that you can describe them in specific instances, like events. You can describe how you feel in your actions in that event. So if an event occurred, whatever the event is, if you can describe what your feelings are and how you're going to behave, it's very important to be able to share that with other people. So your awareness of that and how to put that into words is going to help you make better connections with other people. So what I have developed is something called the 3N framework. It's your needs, your negotiables, and your nevers. So those mm -hmm. are three things that, those are three categories for boundaries. Your needs, negotiables, and your nevers. What is the third one? Nevers. Yeah, your needs, negotiables, and your nevers. So your needs, like I said, boundaries are specific actions and feelings in the, after an event. So let's say that you, I don't know, go do something like eat ice cream. That's my favorite one. You go eat ice cream and you have an enjoyable experience and you want to communicate that to someone. It's something that you want to make sure you can communicate with them, like something that people can do that is joyous to you, something that you are looking for. So in this really extreme experience, into this example, I'm not going to connect to make my forever partner somebody who likes yogurt if I really enjoy ice cream. If they never wanted to eat ice cream, and I wanted to eat ice cream, we would never be connected that way. And it's important to know that because I need that for myself. I need that. And if you make those needs negotiables, which is something that you could kind of give or take, then you'll, you won't be very well connected. And then likewise, there are your nevers. 
These are experiences that you have that you just don't want to have again, that, that have left an impression on you that doesn't feel desirable for you. So if you had an experience that really upset you, made you angry, made you sad, it's worth it to be able to describe what that event was, how you felt and what you did in that event to your partner, to your friend, so that they know, they know and they can really see you reflect back to you that you don't want that. And as a friend, I never want to put you in that situation if I can help it. Absolutely. That's, yeah, respect. Yes. And to connect that with your point of experiencing things, it's mm -hmm. by, you know, getting to know what you like, that you're going to be able to know what you also don't like, and then you can set a boundary on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the boundary is is communicating that or recognizing when this feeling is going to come up or seeing the event yeah. and knowing what's going to happen being able to communicate that because we, we don't want to freak out on somebody after they've crossed our boundary a million times that we've never communicated that to them like I did. Exactly. That was my thing. Exactly. So how could be a healthy way to formulate setting a boundary? Because it can be it can be like I like ice cream. I am a trans man. And like what's another mm -hmm. way to like formulate that a boundary and how's a way to maybe remind it? Because people people forget. Human being forget. That's true. That's true. So with the formulation, the boundary, I kind of like to just say those things that are important to me. And, uh, I, but they don't come up like naturally. Sometimes they don't come up naturally, right? They come up when we have an event or an experience. But to kind of head that off, I've done some self-discovery myself and I make sure to put myself in situations that people follow what my needs are. So just to give you an example, like I know that I really enjoy board games and I enjoy a specific type of board games. So I go to a place that hosts board games and they have a board game night and I go and talk to people there because they're going to like something there that's really important to me, right? So I already know that at the top of my head. I don't want to run into someone at a bar that I'm trying to make a connection with that hates board games, that likes a bunch of other things that I like, but hates board games. Board games have to be something that's really near and dear to me. So I don't want to have to fight with that. I don't want to run into that kind of thing. So that's kind of creating the space where I already am in a place where people are already within my bounds, if that makes sense. So I don't have to actually set them, but I'm there where people are within the bounds. Oh, well, the conversation around uh, setting boundaries is if it comes up, then I'll make sure to say how I feel about it. If it's in, like, I have to check in with myself. So this is where people have said meditation works and it does, it certainly works because people will say things that might have an impact on you. Like, oh, uh, I'm a meat eater or I'm a vegan. All right, so if they're going to a restaurant, they're like, well, hey, Lee, we're, we had a really great time chatting with you. We're all gonna go to this restaurant where they only serve burgers and fries and I'm a vegetarian. Well here's a boundary that I run up into. And I have to, I want to communicate that to them, what the expectations are. Because if we go to this restaurant together, I'm either not eating and I'm gonna be okay with that. And they also have to know that this is why I'm not eating. I'm giving them an opportunity to express how they might feel. Cause all right, we got a group of 10 people and one person is just not eating and watching everybody eat. That feels, that may feel kind of weird to them. So I give them an opportunity to say, hey, well, maybe, you should, we should go somewhere else, or, or maybe you shouldn't come this go next time. Something like that. It gives an opportunity to 
to, to talk about it right away. So what I do, I know it's a simple statement, but I really say that this is who I am, nothing against you all, but this is just who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm, yeah. Exactly. And it leaves room for, you know, the, the, the counterpart to express their views. It leaves room to find compromise. Like maybe we're going to grab desserts afterwards and you pick the place or, exactly. you know, some, something like that to make it fun and to, to, to make sure that everybody's feeling seen. Yes. And something I wanted to branch out on is I'm someone that is very growth driven, mm -hmm. me and my audience also. Yeah. And to your point of creating the physical, the environment that respects your boundaries. So for me, if I want to build relationships and friendships, I want to create an environment where my friendships feel stimulating and fulfilling and um, that there's a uh, there's place for growth, like healthy growth within those friendships. What's your take on that? Can you expand on that? Oh, yeah, that's fun. honestly, that's why I like board games a whole lot and specific kind of board game. Uh, this is social uh, deduction board games and party games where you kind of get to reveal like goofy questions about yourself or, yes. or, or things they ask you questions or, or how you think about things like there's a, a game called uh, just one, essentially, where you have one word. Uh, that people are trying to guess it and they get to write one word as a as a group to get you to guess the word. But anyway, we're revealing something about ourselves and we're sharing and we're having a great time. And it's about a curiosity. This builds a kind of curiosity about, well, how did, what is this person gonna put down? Or how does this person think? How well do they know Lee? What, if, will this word make them guess the one that I'm hoping they'll think of? You know, so it's connecting in that way. Which is why you always have like these two family members who always pair up together because they have like this yes mind to mind connection, like this synergy. <laughs> exactly. And you can create that with practice with other people. Yeah. And so that's what I really like about these board games and, and reflect and self-reflection and uh, getting books to ask yourself your own questions. So what I'm look what I'm wanting what I'm getting to is being curious about other people and looking for that curiosity is what will find great friendships. That's what I think. That's what I, that's what I've discovered. It's like, I'm curious about me and I'm curious about other people and I'm going to be less likely to judge you for doing something new. I'm going to be like, whoa, that's interesting. Tell me more. And you are going to be like, whoa, I want to tell you everything. And there we go. And yeah, so I love that curiosity. Yeah, I love the wow. Wow. <laughs> Whenever I'm gonna be triggered, I'm gonna be like wow. <laughs> With middle fingers in the air, maybe I don't know, but like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. It creates that pause. You're like whoa, 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 what's going on? Okay, let me pause, feel, and assess. What did I just feel? Where is yes. it coming from? And then now let me come back with a more uh, composed response rather than just snapping out of impulse. But yes, yes, <laughs> I love that <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's a better way to get to know the other person if you're both curiously, naturally curious. Yes. And so uh, on that point, I'd like to give some more concrete ways of, of getting. So we were curious naturally, I, I suppose that your audience will naturally be curious, but when it comes to making friendships with other people, you are looking for, and you want to reveal a few things about yourself. And I have them, I call them the three H's. So it's your history, your history. Who are you? Where are you from? 
where you, what, what have you been through? Something, a little bit of your history you want to reveal. It doesn't have to be deep down, but people do want to know who you are. So your history, like, um, it can be like where you grew up and your financial resources or things like that. It, it doesn't have to be that deep right away, but eventually we want to get there to understand more about who you are. And then you've got your hobbies. Those are things that you like to do for fun. What's interesting to you? And then your habits. What are things that you do on a daily basis? What kind of foods do you eat? I love that. Where do you see yourself? Where, where do you, mm -hmm. what kind of commute do you have? If you commute, what kind of job do you have? Those things. So your history, your hobbies, and your habits. Those are things that you want to know about yourself so you can reveal them in increments to other people and get that feedback from them too so that you can see if you're a good connection. Yeah, and I love the habit part because myself being in the process of optimizing my days and my productivity and my mm -hmm. my spirituality my soul and like all of that i have to clean up my habits like do i snooze in the morning or do i get up when the alarm goes off do i meditate or do i go to the phone when mm -hmm. i wake up this is something that i called my ceo self it's a course that i offer become your ceo self and it's just it, it's just thinking people asking themselves if you were to be the ceo of your business tomorrow what would you do and then we like bridge the gap between how they currently are mm -hmm. and how to get there. But that's the idea, like your habits. And if you know, if like, tell me your habits and I'll know the person. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a great point. Way to validate what I said, because if your habits are to snooze, then I know a little bit more about you. If your habits are to like try and fix that gap and not only fix that gap, but make a business out of it. Oh, I, I see you. I see you. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And you have a bunch of more like things like I see social myths and yeah, the H's. We, we spoke about the three N's, your needs, your non-negotiables and your nevers. Now we just see the three H's, three hobbies and habits. And now the three social myths, what are they? Well, the three social myths are basically those things that keep us stuck, keep us from developing the kind of relationships that we want. The history, ah, <laughs> just like, I got that stuck in my head. Like I should probably, the, the three social myths should be more alliterated like the other ones, needs, negotiables, nevers, history, hobbies, habits, but it's not. <laughs> in fact, the, the three social myths are really are never cause friction. So I talked about how you never cause, I never wanted to cause any friction with my friendships. So I let them trample all over my boundaries they didn't even know it until I explode. And so that's that's something that didn't serve me in my relationships, in fact. And then there's the you'll be rejected part of it. That's number two, you'll be rejected. And rejection is a bad thing. Essentially, like what happened to me when I revealed my truth to that man who did not know I was trans, he rejected me in the highest order, right in my face. But it was beneficial for both of us. We both learned so much that day. I'm sure they, I hope that they learned a lot that day, but I certainly learned that while revealing myself deeply and truly to people like that might be revealing fun for me, but it might be scary and terrifying for the people, pay more attention to how they might be feeling. Also, man, it was good for us because we got right to the heart of it and we weren't meant to be friends at the time. We just weren't because Lee doesn't want to chase down this person and that person doesn't want to be chased down. And then finally, the third myth is that people won't like us and we must win them over and doing that's like doing something for them. 
So when I was in California, not only did I do karaoke, but I organized all of karaoke events. Like I lived in the Central Valley, Modesto and California, Modesto, California series around that area. And what I did was I went to all the venue events every night that there was karaoke, I showed up and I called places and I organized this Facebook page for karaoke. And no one asked me to do that. Nobody asked me to do that, but that's why the, all the high fives and stuff came from. That's why people knew me. And I thought that's what I had to do, but that's a myth. What you really need to do is be your authentic self. You need to be open and you need to be vulnerable with people. Yeah. People came to see you sing because you were an expression of yourself in that in this moment, maybe. Maybe, maybe because like uh, there were some songs where I really did like really did a great job with people really liked me. Yeah, yeah, the people really liked me, and I just didn't believe it. Honestly, I really just didn't believe it because if they knew I wanted to be trans, I thought they would hate me. And so we really just need people to affirm us. And there's that part too where sometimes we just don't believe it. No matter how many times you hear something, there is still this strong no that happens subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Since we're talking about friendships, for the longest time, I would make friends, and then after a couple months or years, they would do something really genuinely kind and loving. And I was like, wait, what? You love me at this point? Like I, and so mm -hmm. they tell me and they remember like my, like my, they remembered my, I remember this one friend remembered my favorite wine, my favorite red wine. So she arrived with it. She was like, I know it's your favorite. I was like, I never told you. And, but then she replied, I noticed because that's when you buy the most. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes more often than not, until we believe it ourselves, until I loved myself, I could accept this love back from other people absolutely absolutely and that's really that was really kind i mean i could see that you're really surprised by that that moment yeah. where she was just like i've been watching you not in a weird way but i watch you and i appreciate you and i want you to know that i care enough mm -hmm. to notice yeah and to know that i want you to know it yeah it's 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 important to let people know we appreciate them which i think is what makes a good friend right this is one other question i wanted to maybe yeah. dive into what makes a good friend to you and to people listening if people want to start befriending themselves i really think that you're on something and that's a great segue into it because the noticing is something that really helps make great friendships like noticing how your friend is going to behave in a certain situation is really wonderful. Like, like noticing what your friend's boundaries are, essentially knowing what, what lifts them up, knowing what um, makes them feel sad and knowing what they usually do in times of sadness. It's not about what you want to do for them. It's about what they do and what makes them feel comfortable. And noticing that about your friend is what makes a really great connection. Noticing about the thing that make, brings them joy is what makes a great connection. So I think that developing friendships, they all start within. So I, I have a course called Understanding Connections. And in the Understanding Connections, I talk about how there are three different kinds of connections that you're going to make. There's the one with me, there's the one with you, that's one other person, and there's the one with me, that's a group of people that's a society right so they all those connections start with me so if i'm trying to make a connection with you 
but I can't see past my own fears and insecurities, then we're not going to connect. If I can't, if I can't uh, start thinking about what's important to you, then we can't connect. If I can't get past my own things, like maybe let's say that you were not feeling well and in my household, we always had Campbell's chicken noodle soup. And I just brought that over to you knowing that you're a vegetarian. I'm just like, well, feel better. And it's like, well, have you not been paying attention? I will not eat this. <laughs> I will not eat this. <laughs> Get it away from me. And you know, so it's, it's that kind of thing. It's like, damn well, right. Own, yeah. how, this is how I do things. And this is how things work in my world. You're not going to connect with other people. And it's those little things that make it or break it. Mm -hmm. It is. Because you can tell when over and over, this person just misses the mark every time, but they're trying, so it's endearing, but you're like, but you're like hey, have a good evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it, know. It, it, it doesn't genuinely feel like they know you. They still, for some reason, stay around because yeah, people then, are doing their best with what they can, but it, it's that always. special touch. Yeah, you can, I'll, I'll let you expand on that, but it's that special touch of, oh, you, you really know me? to this small, personal, intricate little fact about myself that barely anybody else know, I see you. I appreciate yes. that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Because you want to be seen. That is the thing. That is what makes that connection is that you really want to be seen. So Shamelessly, let's say, unapologetically. Shamelessly. Everything that you, you have down in there, <laughs> like you really want to have an opportunity to share with another person and for them to be able to accept you. So what I wanted to say though, is that if you're on the other end of that, if you're the person who has been given the chicken noodle soup while you're the vegetarian, it is not your responsibility to say, oh, thank you and not take this opportunity to share with them. This is how it's impacting me. Like I'm going to take this to do a disservice and you don't get yeah. to make a great friendship with them. This is where you decide, this is where you decide whether you're going to not be yourself in order to please this other person because they did something out of the kindness of their heart. Well, actually, if I could give you a different perspective, they weren't paying attention to you and they have no idea who you are and what's important to you. Yeah. So that's exactly. that kind of that feels exactly feels bad. I mean, it doesn't feel good to do that. Mm -hmm. But it's never going to happen that you're going to be like, okay, Frank, let's sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you all my boundaries. So that we're clear. No. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be some sort of event that triggers the conversation that, that sets the boundary and sets the trajectory for the future. And then we get to remind them, but absolutely, I love that. Like, oh, thanks for the soup. However, <laughs> throw it in your face. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I'm a vegetarian, by the way. So next time, take the take the vegetables. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I definitely want to see you, and I see that you have that what you've put into this, and you appreciate me in a way. I see that. However. See me, Frank. See me. Exactly. <laughs> See me, right? Yeah. And so, uh, like, to your point, though, those boundaries, we'd hope that they don't get to that point. We'd hope to be able to set the places before, like, find yourself in the, the places already. Like, put yourself, when you're making friendship and you're making connections, 
find yourself in the places that people are already within your bounds. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. It, this conversation took many very interesting directions. I am so pleased with everything we talked about. Is there, Lee, one last thing you'd like to share with the listeners, one last piece of advice? And also, where can people find you after this? All right. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, my last piece of advice is that your experience is not unique. And I want to say whatever it is that you feel like you cannot share, that you're hiding from, that you don't think people will understand, there is someone out there who knows exactly how you feel about it. And not only are they looking to talk to you about how they feel about it, they need it. <laughs> they need it. They need that connection just as much as you do. So I encourage you to go out there and have new experiences and find out what your boundaries are and meet those people who fit within your bounds. So you can find me at patternsofpossibility.com slash more possibility. There you can find uh, my course, my free course I talked about, Understanding Connections. And you can also find 10 tips to making memorable conversations. Again, that's patterns of possibility slash more possibility. Oh, and also I'm on all social media. Just search patterns of possibility. You'll find me there. Amazing. All of Ali's links are going to be in the show notes. And now this is just a new thing I'm starting to do with my guests to conclude Yay. these episodes. I want to start asking the guests, what does it mean to you to awaken the matrix within the matrix? It, it says so on my podcast art. So I thought, why not have Lee's take on it? and every other guest in the future. So what does awakening the matrix within the matrix mean to you, Lee? Awaken the matrix within the matrix. So what I understand the matrix is, is kind of like a dream machine. And we're all dreaming, essentially. And within that dream machine, it seems like there's another dream machine. So there's a lie that we've been told, or it's an experience that we the lie we've been told, I think, is that we are not creators and that we cannot mm. create. And there are certain things that we should not do because those things that we do, man, I'm getting I'm getting all heady with this whole thing. I'm going to try and shorten it down a little bit and say those things What's that? are preventing you from being authentic. Yes. <laughs> but keep going. And thank you. You helped me put me right on the right track and the right track because it is just trying you. to put some Lee in there. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's stopping you from being authentic from with who you are. And so the things that you've been told, like hide this, don't show that, don't be that because of other people are telling you, hey, it's not, it's not what the rest of society wants. Well, the matrix is the, the idea is that everything is inside of you. So whatever you want it to be, it is. So if you want to be the way you are, then you can be and be connected to other people. You just don't know yes. it until you wake up. Exactly. I love that. I love that. And you can awaken to your true nature while staying within this quote unquote lie matrix. Mm -hmm. ah, thank you so much for this share. I am... Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> I was, love it. That was quite a question. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that was quite a question. Yeah. I loved it. And I, I loved your thing. flavor and what you brought to it. So thank you so much. That's going to be that's going to be that's going to come back. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> 
All right, everybody. This was Coach Lee Hopkins. Thank you so much for joining the show. And for everyone listening, I will see you next week for the next episode of the Billboard Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye. All right, gorgeous soul. Thank you so, so much for listening to another episode of the Billboard Podcast. If you find value in this episode, please go ahead and leave the show a five-star review. Not only does it allow me to keep doing my thing, but it also brings the show to more people. And if you've learned something, why don't you take your contribution one step further by sharing the episode to a friend? I remember in my own personal growth journey, I just loved when people would send me an episode that they thought was resourceful. So why don't you be that friend? Share the love, share the message, and send this episode to a friend. I thank you in advance. I'm so grateful that you're here. And now, if you'd like to, let's hop right into another episode of the Billboard Podcast.